0: It's our wrap of the top business stories that are moving markets on this Thursday. And joining me to do this is uh, an analyst at Emergence Investment Managers and that is uh, Noluanja Mtumbeni. Noluanja, good evening to you and welcome to Metro FM Talk once again.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: Good, good, good. Always a pleasure catching up with you. How are you?
1: I'm good too, thank you.
0: Good, good. Noluanja, let's maybe start off here uh, with uh, this story here about discovery. Now, I had a brief chat Uh, with uh, uh, Robert Marau briefly just before we started the show about this particular one. And we're going to pick it up again uh, uh, later on in uh, one of our later segments today. But um, what do you make of this uh, uh, seemingly a concession on their part that uh, if they look at the sort of stock of investigations that are underway, a disproportionate number of those uh, are certainly targeted at black medical professionals?
1: Yes, I do really think there is an element um, of, you know, racial profiling and, you know, they pretty much admitted to such. So, which is, you know, very unfortunate, given that, you know, we want our black doc- doctors to have access and, you know, have the same privileges and advantages as, you know, the other counterparts. So, it's quite unfortunate. And, you know, they say that, you know, fraud, waste and abuse are the main driver of claims. And, you know, they see this as being more prevalent in low-income patients. But, you know, I know I read a report not too long ago that stated, you know, in terms of how the medical aid scheme works is that, you know, when it comes to claims, it's sort of like an 83 rule where, like, you know, those 20% of patients who have these major chronic illnesses like cancer Mm. actually make up the biggest claim. So, you know, I'm not sure exactly what the facts are, but I mean, I think, you know, it might be a bit of a stretch to say that fraud, waste, and abuse is the main driver of claims. You know, I mean, you know, we know we have, you know, some really serious chronic illnesses which are, are make up the portion of claims paid out. And I imagine for some of these lower ca- income, it's not necessarily that they're making massive claims.
0: But nonetheless
1: um there 's definitely racial profiling on their part
0: i mean what what is this admission or I guess discovery on their part and uh, excuse the pun there for a second well, what is this going to mean by way of their own uh, sort of approach and uh, the processes that they go through when they undertake investigations of this kind, but I guess also for the consumers that are listening in here, what does this change by way of uh, you know the price i 'm paying for my premiums so
1: i mean they 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 they, they can 't really you know charge premiums according to, you know, areas or level of incomes. So in terms of their policies and claims that in the premiums they charge, they have standardized. So there's no really allowed to discriminate um, based on, you know, where the lower income is. But they'll have, you know, different kinds of services available for a certain income group. And, you know, it might be very predominant in one area over another, but premiums will be the same. Mm. So I think what, you know, you know, for, for well, what Discover has to do is actually, you know, you know, change their systems of how they're, you know, flagging this and identifying this in terms of where they're still getting claims. They have to go back and check because, you know, you might find that, you know, it was, you know, you know, you it happened mostly concentrated in certain areas or regions, And then it became like a mass, you know, you know, blanket approach in terms of how they're dealing with it. So they need to go back to the drawing board in terms of, you know, not necessarily that, you know, it's going to happen to everyone and every black client is going to do that. But they really need to assess their, 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 you know, their, the system is flagging this. And also, they need to maybe do more work in terms of the actual patients that they're being covered. So I think, you know, maybe the work around the patients themselves and maybe balancing the history of the patients, I think that's where the work should do. And, you know, back up the clients, because I'm back up the the claims of what's been happening. So if you look at the medical records for any given patient, I mean, you can identify in terms of the trend of how often this has been happening of course it will require more work for them on their part, but I think in the spirit of being fair to both black doctors and white doctors, then let them do the extra work um, to make sure that this, you know, the process is fair.
0: Okay. Really, I want us to shift just slightly, I guess, uh, from uh, uh, the world of uh, medical aids and uh, take a look here at uh, uh, one deal that certainly uh, a lot of people had spoken about uh, towards the end of last year. That's the deal uh, to uh, have, I guess, uh, full ownership by a black consortium here of uh, the largest beef feedlot here in South Africa, and that's Karen Beef. Now the PIC uh, were probably the sort of biggest underwriters of this particular deal. But um, what's happening now? There's seemingly some cold feet here.
1: Yeah, I mean this um, was a deal that you know there was you know entered to and initiated I, mean, I think about two years ago, and you know under the previous um, C O and PIC um. management. And what is happening is that they're reviewing
0: the deal. Okay. Nulanda, I want us to pause there because I want us to maybe discuss this deal in much greater length. But we need to take a quick spot break now. Six minutes it is before 8 p.m. You're tuned into a Metro FM talk here on the mighty Metro. And uh, we're taking a look at uh, the top business stories that are moving markets uh, on this uh, Thursday. And joining me to do this is analyst at uh, Mergence Investment Managers, and that's Noluanjim Tumbini. Noluanjie, just before we went to the break, we were talking about uh, that, uh, I guess, reconsideration of the uh, PILO uh, Karen Beef uh, deal here. And uh, it seems that uh, Africa's largest fund manager, the PIC, uh, seems to be reconsidering this one. Why?
1: So I think obviously, I mean, they have to, you know, given that where PIC has come from in to, to, to terms of the corruption and the irregularities around the awarding of, you know, investments and acquisitions, um, I wouldn't be surprised that, you know, there's been a big sweep in across all commitments that's been made and potential investments and acquisitions. So this is probably another one of those where they're reviewing it. Um, I think one of the things that is mentioned there in terms of what is being reviewed is the purchase price and the valuation of this. So the five, it was 5.2 billion that was the amount that is going to be um, bought for the stake, the majority stake in 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 the in Karen Beef. And what they have to do now is gonna will find a third party to relook really at the valuation. Um, if you look at you know the PIC, what's been in the news in the last couple of years is the overpayment of you know various entities and acquisitions and stakes. So um you know the kind of under pressure to relook at you know any valuation and multiples and what they're paying for any investment. And this is, you know, one of the things we, why this is stalled. This transaction was really proved by the Comcom, you know, so quite a few years ago. But and you know, there was a freeze in terms of any ongoing investments that were happening. I think last year while the PIC investigation was ongoing. Um so now I think you know, as they start, you know, going back to the drawing board and making these acquisition investments, they have to relook really at things of What are we paying? What is the value? Mm. And probably now a new due diligence process in terms of coming up with the right price? But I
0: mean, then why why do we have credit and investment committees? I mean, uh, one would think that at some point they they would have played some oversight role over whether or not the due diligence had been done properly and uh, that uh, the valuation arrived at uh, initially for that, I understand, a 90% stake uh, in the bigger scheme of things. And uh, Karen Beef would have been priced correctly. I mean, wh- why do we have to start that process and then, you know, have a lot of fanfare around it towards the end of last year? And then now, you know, when we get some cold feet, come back to it and maybe restart that process?
1: Because corruption taints everything. It taints everything. It taints even credit processes and committees and everything that is reasonable, it roots itself into it. And then what you thought of sound systems are no longer sound because of corruption. Mm. So, you know, that's what happens, you know, that's the problem here is that, you know, the previous work of people is no longer, uh, you know, usable, it's not ever reliable, it's not trustworthy. And that's the problem is that now, you know, there it has been a change to where you've got people and committees and processes which are more reliable and in and that's simply, you know,
0: why they have to do this. Mm. But surely, I mean, they, they would want to wait for the outcomes of the party Commission, uh, which is looking into the affairs of the PIC, before uh, maybe a big decision of this kind would be made. I mean, I, I'm also thinking about this. What's at stake here? I mean, this is the largest feedlot on the continent. Um, and one would think that, you know, any announcement to say we're actually going to reconsider this deal before uh, the findings of that commission uh, come out or are presented to the president uh, m- m- might be a bit premature.
1: So PIC TIC manages about $22 2 trillion assets. So five point two billion in the biggest scheme of things is not really that big. Mm. And that's the first thing. The second thing is that this is obviously a transaction that's not been entered into. So there's nothing to, you know, in terms of any red flags on this transaction that warrant them to not proceed okay. with it. Okay. So that's the difference is that, you know, the slate is still clean here. There's no money in mm. exchange hands. And that's why you're able to continue it. If, for example, there was maybe a down payment or something of the sort, then, you know, there's reason to stall it at all or maybe, you know, completely suspend it until um, further evidence or further on in the commission. But because, you know, it was still not really entered into, um, that's why, you know, it's feasible that they would continue to, you know, go through with the contract mm. and evaluate it.
0: Okay. Uh, before I let you go on MTN, it seems, is uh, making a foray into mobile money once again. Uh, I saw a few people in the mall uh, earlier on today wearing uh, sort of Momo, uh, reflector jackets, and uh, I guess they're trying to punt uh, this uh, new mobile uh, money offering by uh, this uh, mega telecoms player.
1: So it's very interesting if you know, that I mean they've this is going to N10 Mobile, um, you know, but this is a, a space where you know the money mobile money transfer space is you know it's got a lot of competition, so you know. I mean, Vodacom, you know, chat also, they, you know, came out. And, you know, they've tried it. It hasn't worked. And ever since then, we've had money transfer system come through in the form of, you know, your retailers are entering the money transfer system. So they've been acting as an intermediary in the, in the, in the banking space. And then the banks themselves are having e-wallets as well, um, which also now is studying the market and having, you know, all the banks making e-wallet type of, you know, offering. So, you know, we've seen it globally with an overlap with telecoms are also entering into, into into banking because of fintech. You know, this is the 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 big disruption that FinTech is is that, you know, you're trying to become an intermediary and dis and, and you know disrupt, you know, all sorts of banking. And you know, you know, mobile money is a good idea. Um, but you know, in South Africa we're still pretty much a cash a cash society. So they are targeting obviously the lower incomes. But at the very bottom of people still require cash. You know, the people who are going on a taxi can't use, you know, the MTM um, account to, to, to do what they need to do on a daily basis. So, you know, it, it, it's a good offering. Um, but there is sort of, you know, comparable things in the market out there. We've got e wallets We've also got, you know, Standard Bank having their own version of e-wallet. Mm. Um, we've got ShopRite to, you know, to the money transfer and they've got also distribution and also other retailers. So there's a lot of options out there for, you know, the private market that they're going to. And um, what telcos have the advantage is that they've got, you know, a lot of subscribers. You know, you don't, you know, you've got much more, it's easy to access, you know, with um, a lot of, you know, many, many subscribers. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, for that segment, cash is important and it's not going to be as easy to, you know, penetrate or get people to switch to cash and, you know, embrace, you know, digital
0: technology as much. Nulandja, mm. well, we'll have to leave it there. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. I would have wanted us to touch on uh, what's happening in Mangaung, but uh, we'll have to leave it there. And uh, uh, Thank you so much for taking time out to speak to us this evening. Nulandja Mtombeni is an analyst at Emergence Investment Managers speaking to us uh, this evening. Now, the other story that um, has certainly I guess piqued my interest is uh, the Mangaung Metro missing their debt payments on uh, two loans uh, equal to about uh, just under 52 billion Rand here, uh, to uh, Standard Bank and to uh, the uh, DBSA in December, uh, has uh, certainly pushed ratings agencies, uh, Moody's Investor Service, uh, to uh, further sink the uh, metro into junk status this week after it failed uh, to service those loans uh, to those two lenders in December. Now, the big question we're asking ourselves this evening, uh, you might be a resident of Manga, what is that going to mean for the ability of that municipality uh, if Uh, They currently do so to go and borrow, not only just in the capital markets, but even from some of the DFIs uh, when uh, their rating uh, is uh, uh, sunk further into junk. And uh, more importantly, I guess, uh, what does this mean about the cash flow position of that municipality? Because we do know that the moment uh, you see this kind of news filtering from many of these metros, it's often accompanied uh, by service delivery protests.